where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. This is happening. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what I hey. said earlier. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to This Is Happening. This is Eric Morris. And I'm here on the road in New York beep, with beep. special honk, honk. guest co-host Georgie Leahy. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> and we are in the is that lovely. Really your name? It is. It's a great name. It sounds Isn't like the it name good? of a, like a Petula Clark song. Uh, oh, thank it you. It should be. Do you want to write it? Yeah, write it for me. Just grab my guitar. Yeah, come on. <laughs> um, and we are here in the uh, apartment of the illustrious Julian Fleischer. Julian, I've known for decades. Uh, he's a fantastic musician and actor and writer and, and music composer, producer and composer. And, uh, and there are a few too many hyphenates in my hyphenate. Someone yeah. who, who I just truly love and actually we. Man with many I don't really take great photographs. Oh, I'm just sort of <laughs> testing the light right now. So that's a good line. I and haven't, we also <laughs> haven't taken it. I'm testing the light right now. And we no, also have our lovely producer Brendan Haley here, who's chiming in and, and is welcome to. Oh, I didn't know. Because we we <laughs> were we were super late and uh, super late. Super and I actually late. hold that against people. I, yeah. I know you do, Julian. I'm <laughs> super punctual. That's the problem I have. We have not I been am, late I this am trip too. I am until too. Until now. We chose the Julian Fleischer interview <laughs> to be <laughs> outrageously late. I know. But the thing is, it We're being very late. Yeah. But to be honest. I know. That's what I, I, I love about New York is I hate it in Los Angeles. I'm always either early or on time. Right. And I'm always waiting for people. And then we did it to you. What pricks we are so sorry. What pricks? We, yeah. I mean, right, we should, at the time, we should have jumped on the subway, but I just thought corralling this one into the subway, no, mm. Oh, darling, darling, I can do subway. I know, yes, you can hear that. It was him getting coffee. Some next level blame shifting. Will you use a coaster, please? Oh, God. And you're putting rings on my very expensive. Oh, my goodness, I love that. So I do want to say, honestly, that Julian is one of my inspirations to do a podcast. When I thought about, I didn't even know what podcasting was. Um, and Julian has a podcast still, or not anymore. Um, you it, mean you could return to it anytime? You have a radio show. But you mean the one from WNYC Studios? Yes. The Naked American Songbook. Is yes. that the one to which you refer? That's the one I mean. You're not talking about guilty pleasures. I've listened to all of them. The old one? Yeah. That's when I, I think that's the one because I was starting to think about doing a podcast and I think I texted you. I saw my old text. Did I respond? You were like, I, "There's nothing to it. What can I tell you? I don't know." <laughs> I mean, that's sort of true. You just press record, darling. You talk. Which is actually more than I, uh, for a very long time, I haven't been even been able well, to do that. Now I feel like I need that. to consult the, the receipts and see just what a dick I was. No, How you weren't. You weren't. <laughs> You were like, no, I think, I think, no, I think with, then that led to a phone call, which is not captured. Oh, good. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, here we are. This is all just, the history, the history this was just telling me what time you were supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So you when were I, screaming at the cab driver. And when I'm like, I it's not the cab driver's fault, dear. When I lived in New York. Um, and he was early, by the way. If I hadn't walked um, up with my dog. I know, Brendan. Well, I know. I, what kind I, of got, I, I, I was like the football going to the goalpost. He was early, you're late, and I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't need to. No, no. 
when I lived in New York, I met Julian through um, Mark Malkin, actually. Um, Shit, is that who it was? <laughs> yes. Was it Doug? No, because then we, then we discovered we need... No, because I met Doug in L.A. So then when I moved to L.A. and became fast friends with Doug, then I saw you again. I was like, oh, Julian, I know you through Mark. Because you would take me and Mark and Rick Ehrenstein to, like, Cowgirl Hall thing, you know, to see Kiki and her. And, and that's how I met Justin Vivian Bond, was because you were writing DQNY, this book, A Guide to New York Drag Queens. There it is. Here it see? is. See? We, we, we're, we're looking oh, at it right here. The Drag Queens of New York. An illustrated field guide. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have Candace Kane. You guys keep talking. I'm just going to read this. Is that Flotilla DeBarge? No, that's just racist oh. of you. You're like our all-black queen. Oh, queens God, I don't... I don't <laughs> <laughs> is that Mona Flex? Yeah, it's Okay, Mona Flex. apologies. Uh, <laughs> so, Tilo DeBarge is basically, um, like, brain dead now, and you are... I think Flotilla DeBarge appeared in public yesterday. I, I saw her. <laughs> I'm not saying those two things are mutually exclusive, but she appears in public brain dead. So, so when... <laughs> When, when I lived on 22nd Street and um, Barracuda opened on my block while I lived there. So that was a perfect place to go see drag queens as well. Mona Foote had a uh, star know, search this, type you thing. You better watch it, girl. This size 12 pattern leather Gucci pack can also be a deadly weapon. Yes. Yeah. I think Julian saw something that obviously RuPaul saw later and made it a little bit bigger. Um, <laughs> so you're insulting and late. <laughs> oh God! No, you so you were very prescient in you know shining a light on a talented group of people and their um, you know their artistry. You know, I, I discovered drag through you. I, I really like. I'm sure I'd seen a drag queen somewhere, but I came to appreciate the art of drag and the best drag queens in New York. Because while writing this book, you were just going to see and hang out yeah, with these fabulous. people and take pictures and um, an illustrated field guide is exactly what you did. You know, Raven O and Bardo and uh, Sherry Vine and um, you know these are really <laughs> lovely people. I can't work out what his expression is. <laughs> I'm just wondering when the question is coming. Or is this your podcast? Yeah. It is my podcast, <laughs> and I just ramble on. Yeah, where is the question coming? All right, so Julian, you're from Baltimore, right? I never should have broken up with Mark Malkin. I think that's what this <laughs> podcast can begin. He's and married. I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he um, showed up at, my, at this apartment with a fucking bouquet of roses. And I was like, I This very apartment. Man. I've been in this apartment. Low those many years. Time. Oh, yeah. I've been here. <laughs> it's a New York story, though. The story yeah, you, why did you leave? It's a story of real estate. Like if you I down. moved because I lost my uh, sublet on 22nd Street. I moved to LA because of that. I was like, I'll never find a place like this again. Gotta go. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there's literally nothing like this I could ever come close to. And this apartment is so below my needs and what I want, but I, in order to get what I need and want, I would be well, broken financially. But you, you have made a lovely place for yourself. Up in the woods. Yes, I have. Yeah, uh, actually, it's not that unusual. There's a lot of people in my little town in the Catskills from the East Village, just like me, within like a ten-block radius, who are all stuck on their old rents. You know, not not stuck, but we're we're lucky to have rent stabilization. Yeah. And we went and we bought up there in the same town because it's like the East Village of the mountains. It's like a cheap little on 
play and nobody knew about it. We all managed to snap up. You, snap you got it at a very a good time. It's weird. It's like the one good decision I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I have this little house in the woods with a view of the mountains and the sunset, and it's everything. To me. It's gorgeous uh, looking. I haven't. It's teeny never tiny, invited but it's, me. the setting is really. Lovely. Never invited me, but. Um, That's so, so not true. I, I probably have said no. <laughs> too yes. far. You're a blame shifter. No. This is the second time. Today. I know. Uh, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm watching. Me too. Um, What's your birthday? October 26th. 12th November. Oh, you're deep in it. See, oh. I was supposed to be a Libra. If you'd come out of time. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. She wouldn't let you. Know. <laughs> no, I, I was born um, at 10 to 12 at night. If I was born 10 minutes later, I would have been on the Friday the 13th. My mom was like, Oh, God. My mother was like, You're not going anywhere. No. <laughs> she finally had me as a Scorpio. She spent the next 40 years trying to get me back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You can edit that. Oh, she's dead. She's dead. Oh, my mother's dead too. I'll say my terrible mom, things about my her. My mom said the exact same. My mom really wanted a boy, and I was going to be named after Stuart Michael. It was Michael Levy. And then I came out, and it, it was a girl, and she was like, "Put it back in." <laughs> We're the same mothers. <laughs> so, so that's why you're a Georgie girl. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Yeah. So then, you know, when I so when I met. Julian, he was writing this book. I actually didn't know. I, I guess I wasn't intellectually curious. I didn't know anything else about Julian Fletcher, but I, I wasn't. I didn't ask. Like, what well, else? It's not do that you, do? you were not intellectually curious. <laughs> you were not attracted to me. And if you had been, you would have asked more questions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> True. That's all. True. You're not attracted um, to me, and apparently neither is your producer. Oh so, my gosh! This yeah, is the, me, the, the rejection. Me, he brought me a pack of I, Splenda. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're all hoping he'd be say, attracted to I us. I think this is what you. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> that's really like that's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a New York thing? I've never heard of it. Well, I said, you said, what? What do you want in your coffee? I said, milk and sugar. So he brought back coffee with milk. I was like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is fake cancer dust. Why no, did you like, think this like, would be? Don't need those extra calories, sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will just say, for the to clear the air, I have only started drinking coffee in the last two months, so I'm still learning. Oh uh, well, yes, he is. When you hand someone quite a splen young. Splenda packet, what you're saying is you could lose a few pounds. Yeah. Here is the Splenda. Ooh, it's like giving wow. someone a diet coke when they ask for coke. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You see. Yeah. You didn't get that? No. <laughs> that wasn't intentional? No. Yeah. This is the most hostile interview I've so what? So, oh, I'm, I'm going to try to turn this thing around. Because what I was trying to get to, what I was trying to get to is when I met Doug in, uh, who is my co-host on This Is Happening now. He, he's just not here in New York. So we have George Gillet, Brady. Doug, I, you, I would not want to try to fill those shoes. I know, no, no, it's, it's he's, very difficult. Yeah, he's dauntingly good at this. Oh my God. And he's becoming a radio star. He's, you know, Jeff Lewis live co-host he's a genius he yes. uh, doug is a genius one of my fave people he's a genius and uh, then you know and I'm, i i know that one day when the world discovers it it's going to be huge don't you love doug oh no doug and i instantly fell in love yeah we, we cheersed our jewels and we talked about dick pics and that was the <laughs> end <laughs> so then i then i met julian again because he came and stayed with doug Doug has, has a very gracious home Although it was a different home next door, I think, when you came Just back. on the other side. Yeah, it's just right there. Um, now his home, he stepped it up a bit with the new home. But um, Julian came and stayed there because you were doing a show, I think maybe with Martha Plimpton or something. Um, yeah, I lived there during that whole 
experience. And that's when we really kind of connected more, and I got to know more of the the boundless <laughs> talent of of Julian Fleischer because he's really a, an amazing composer, arranger, producer, singer, um, and he he leads a what, Julian and his rather big band, isn't that what it's called? It is. Yeah. So. Um, and I think rather ghoulish in here. Is it? <laughs> no, I know. I really loved it. I, I love you know because you did something with with Lauren Graham and Martha Plimpton oh, and all my girls. Um, yeah, and you really like showcased them and created these beautiful, you know, nights, evenings for them. I mean, people who weren't comfortable necessarily in a cabaret setting, and you helped them shine. And it oh, was really beautiful cool. to see. They are super comfortable. They just pretend not to be. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you're right, because they both were incredible. Yeah, I mean, well, the show, it was a run with, with Martha. She and I did, like, six weeks or yeah. something at the old Actors Gang. And, and I went Lauren constantly, was because I was, I was there with Doug, and we would, like, go to his vodka shed and get a bottle of Absolute and, like, sell it to the crowd yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, it was my, my ex-boyfriend was also, yeah. like walking around the audience with a tray or we would do it like while she was singing yeah. I would do it when I was singing she would do yeah, it yeah totally we, that was a very successful run we and then we, I, we hung out with her many nights yeah. she was super fun yeah she's a lot of humanness she's yeah. just, she's larger than life she is she is and she's had an incredible life and she was she was just very warm and open and beautiful yeah. just like I you know I'd, I'd seen her obviously I'd seen her in films and things like that but I've Later, saw her on stage a lot. She's just so good. Oh, she has Martha genuine star power. She really does. Um, and you know who's also a good actor? Julian Fleischer. I because I saw you in what was that thing you did that musical? Oh, February House. Yes. Oh yes. my God, that thing. And I know another of the actors in it, Derek Simon's ex, Ken Barnett. Ken Barnett. Are you pretending to try to remember these names, or are they... And uh, this is real oh. time. This is real time. <laughs> I'm waking up from last night as we speak. Um, this has been a terrific um, sort of listing of your memories. That's it. Is it <laughs> I, lo I love how... This is commentary. Commentary on my ability to do this thing. You are eviscerating me and showing to everyone that I shouldn't be doing this. What am I doing? I'm just giving you a good hard time. You know, busting chops is how we show affection in the I, world. I know. And, I've been, and in the school of I've well. been giving you shade since I came 15 minutes late to, just to annoy you. Right. Hey. That was working. Um, so what are you Can working I a on? Question for you? What are you working on now? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'm working on, as usual, a whole bunch of things. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out, as I, as I have been since I met you all those years ago, yeah. who I am and what it is I'm supposed to do. And the answer is always just whatever is in front of me. Like, for, you know, I, was, I wrote books for 10 years, and that was to support my singing habits. And I have a, a you know, like, archive of books and then I did graphic design for another 10 to support that and so I have all this artwork and photography in my life and then I you know I did musicals and plays and I wrote songs and produced records it's just I don't really know I'm just busy all the time no, but what's, to what was fascinating to me a life that is meaningful and yeah you're really good at all those things I mean you're you're a great band leader you're a great singer you're an incredible actor 
There's just like no end to the talent. We've it's reached like, the second act of this interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but really, what I, was, what I was trying to say. That's very um, sweet. Yes, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's not for me to say. I just do what I do, and I try to do it well. Um, I like the occasional compliment. I'm very, uh, I'm easily cut by criticism, but if it's constructive, I try to use it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Are you writing music now? I'm always writing music. I've yeah. written a musical uh, in the last ten years. Well, nine years I've been working on a musical. You've been workshopping it? Workshopping it. It's been in residence at lots of different... Oh, fantastic. What's it called? It? Well, it's had three titles. Now it's currently called Please Refrain. Please and, Refrain. Um, and there's a pun built into that. Because mm -hmm. refrain, of course, if it's a verb, means to stop. And if it's a... Now it's the chorus of the song. Indeed. So. Oh, I love that. We, we look at a group of people who are struggling to do both. And my my writing partner wrote the, the libretto, which is a fancy word for the script, not the song. <laughs> uh, yes, the book. She likes to call it a play that becomes a musical, which I really like. No, oh, I, I like that, that too. It sort of starts very low. Everybody hear everything? <laughs> yeah. We're in New York. We promise. Uh, it's just a bunch of people in, a, in an office who are really just office people, miserable, mm. just like a low-grade fever, just all the time. You yeah. can hear the lights buzzing above their heads and stuff like that. Are they filled with rage? They're filled with yes, rage and and despair. No, it's not really despair. It's it's less interesting than that. It's more boring than despair. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And Stuck in the mundane. They've yeah, kind of just given up. Wrote. Yeah. It's what I think we've all felt this feeling in a cubicle somewhere. Uh huh. Yeah. And then um, slowly but surely, you know, by dint of a few key events, all, some of which have a certain possibly magic quality to them, they are sort of um, given a chance to to light their inner fires. Ah, I've never put it that way. And they express that I in song. Well, I'll send you a copy of this thing. If you <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they start singing. They don't even really know that they're singing. It's so it's sort of like when I like that. Like when a movie goes from black and white to color, but without a quick change, it's sort of slowly the color fades mm. in, and by the end, it's a completely new world that they're in. They've built themselves a whole new world by the end, and singing is just sort of part of how we get. Them. Gosh. Well, I can't wait to see it. I love it. That was a great circle. I, 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 I definitely need to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I have to send this to my Good. writing partner. I love when that happens, where you start talking, and then you're like, wow, I'm, wow, I'm, it, really, it, it, I'm rather profound. This is no, great. No, but it's a good argument for working, you know, for always yeah. getting in there with a shovel and, and keep digging. Because, like, writing a musical is incredibly... Um, it's more frustrating even than it is hard. I mean, it's obviously hard, yeah. but it's very frustrating because the, the business is just so torpid. Yeah. And if you're not, you know, already, you know, passing a call or, or you know, their equivalent, it's very difficult to get. And anything new on. And that's very I mean, true. I'm in the pipeline. We're in the pipeline of the public. We're in another pipeline of the New York Theater Workshop. You know, we have all these residencies in very high tone places. I obviously know everybody in these institutions very well after all these years, and still, I, know. I mean, and I, there's many people 
way more famous than I am who have difficulty getting their calls returned. Believe me, I know. I, I worked with George Firth. Um, we on his final musical. It was called The End, and it was, then it was called Happy Hour. We did a workshop of it at the Vineyard or something like that, somewhere in New York for a month. Um, I think I invited you. You probably said, nope, too busy. Um, maybe you came. There's a lot of weird hostility <laughs> in this <laughs> There's a lot of, like, settling old scores? No, there really isn't. There isn't. No, I'm just trying, I'm just Have literally, I'm really I'm trying to remember. No, I'm just trying to remember things. Either. You have never heard me. I'm sorry. I'm no, right. you never have. You never I've have. I've only gotten better all, all I was thinking about, though, was like, you know, obviously George Firth knew everyone as well. Tony Winner for Company and, you know, also wrote Merrily Reroll Along quite best friends with uh, Warren Beatty and Annette Benning who came, everyone came. And Scott Ellis was gonna direct and, um, you know, but it still wasn't easy, you know, g getting that on and, and figuring it out and... Um, no, it's impossible. And, you know, I, I consider the public theater in many ways to be my own. Yeah. I've been performing there in one way or another for 20 years. I'm, my picture's on the wall in the hallway, you know, like, I'm, I'm not, Superstar, but I, I my, it's, it is the public theater. Yeah. Yeah. It belongs to this city, and I do too. So I feel very at home there. No, I get that. I, I mean, to give them the credit where it's due, I know they're making a huge push these seasons to, to, uh, to make room for artists who've been excluded. You know, by which I mean, you know, everyone else. Women, people of color, women of color. You know, trans voices. All I mean, all of which is fabulous and Gay actually voices. has to be done. And, so let's give them their credit where it's due. No, no, no. I mean, so no. Listen, I, I share that that issue with the theater. It's very. I love the theater. I, you know, came up in the theater a little bit and have produced theater here and in, you know, here in New York and in L.A. I find it very thankless, and I'm just, you know, like, it's just really hard to do. You've got to marshal a lot of money, yeah. a lot of people. Whereas, like, if you just train a camera on something, create digital content, or make a documentary or a film, um, and with the, the barrier to entry for that is lower now. Uh, I mean, certainly it's also thankless to fly around the world raising money for independent film. Uh, that is also thankless. But, uh, you know, my, my calling, I think, is storytelling. And I think maybe yours is. Yeah, I in mean, way. it all comes down to story in some respect. I mean, a couple of years ago, I had a lunch with a dear friend of mine who's super smart and super creative, and I said, you got to help me figure out what to do with my life. You know, like, life coach. Yeah, I mean, he's just a friend, and I I thought, want that help from that friend. <laughs> <laughs> and so we sat there, and we literally took a piece of notebook paper and a pen, and I, and I just started writing down all the things that interested me, all the things yeah. that I wanted to be a part of, pursue. And the one word that just sort of came up that tied them all together was song. Okay. Mm. And songs are stories. They're just yeah. really beautifully crafted down to, in most cases, like 32 bars. Um, but whether it's like being in a musical or writing a musical or writing a book about drag queens, like, like drag would not exist without songs. Like songs are the basic yeah. unit of exchange between drag queens and their audience. Um, and, you know, I've produced a lot of records and there's a lot of shows and what have you, and it's all like songs are the thing. 
And I feel like songs are, a really good song is like the best story you can come up with, you know? Uh, yeah, so it can be a perfectly crafted little short story that right. has a message. There's a puzzle quality to it. Like if you, it's like solving a song is like solving the New York Times crossword puzzle and when you get it right, there's this sense of like, yes, yes. Yeah. that's it. It's true that I have a terrible memory. Because I, I am now remembering a few of your actual songs and little albums and CDs and things that I have. albums? Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. No, but I'm trying to remember. There any, is a hostility, right? There's no right. hostility. Ah, I'm trying to say that, like, there's, I wish I remembered the name of a song, but it's one of your songs. Because I really loved it. I played it all the time. Oh, it was just, it was really. Probably finally. Yes, yes. That was the title of my last record, and it was a song that Sometime, never, later, whenever They tell you that's how long it takes For a pot to boil or a cake To bake Well, China must be out of rice And cats must all be friends with mice and hell is surely serving ice Cause I think I just fell in love and it's nice Like, I've learned, one of the things that surviving in New York teaches you, like, how to do it all yourself. 
Yeah. Like the Photoshop and the and the you know the GarageBand or Logic like I use or you know like I can do everything because at some point I was like I can do this better myself. You're way more capable than I am. I well, can't but do, I'm just saying I can't it's, do it's a product of my survival. <laughs> and in many ways, I believe that over the years, it's actually done me a disservice. I've only now come to realize that because I was always more comfortable saying like I'll do this better if I do it myself. Like the the, the graphic design for an album cover or the the liner notes for a thing, or you know what, right. name it. Like, I'll right. just do it. It'll be yeah. better. I know how to do this. Yeah. And ultimately, you, it leaves you alone. A lone wolf. And it's very difficult to get other people to buy in if you're constantly doing it all yourself. Rather than having collaborators and having this collaborative, communal yes. experience and I feel that like can then lead. I'm trying to make up for all that time that I was busy doing it myself. That's a really good insight, I think, because like that can lead to other things. Like if you collaborate, like this person remembers, like, oh my God, I loved doing that graphic design for your album thing. I'm working on this. Do you want to work on this with me? I mean, that I think that kind of. I feel like people usually go the other way though. They're like, community, collaborate, and then everyone pisses them off, and then they learn it and they do it by themselves. So it's interesting that you, you, you were always just doing it by yourself, and now you're like, you know what? I'm gonna try this community thing. Yeah, I'm also. I'm older now, and frankly, I tire out more quickly. So, like, pass the jobs like, on to other people. Yeah, yeah. Well, like working at WNYC, where I've been now for three and a half years or something. There are producers. Yeah. And let them do it. Who, who are there to do stuff? And like, so I'm like, great, you do it. Like, I have a podcast there, the Naked American Songbook, which is currently our producer left for another job, so mm. it's sort of on ice. Ah. Um, but he did a remarkable job of editing that thing. It sounds beautiful. It sounds like This American Life or something. And I say that because Ira Glass was our last interview. But it's it's edited together beautifully. It's much better than I could have done. So like letting someone take it yeah. and make it great was a revelation to me. Yeah, I like to identify people that are great to collaborate with who can help uh, enhance your vision and help you execute everything. You know? Yeah. I like that. I, that's what I try to do. I mean, because I, I know that I'm not the best editor, or that I, you know, or I don't know how to do certain things. So like, why not find someone who can, and then we collab, you know, we collaborate on it. I just know the things I don't like doing. So those are the things that I tell people. Yeah. Like, I feel like Georgie. I do all the entertainment stuff, all the all the fun stuff, creating the ideas and everything, and then I'm like, oh, terrible. I just when I was technical shit, twenty so. years ago, I just didn't have any other resources. Yeah. I would love, I think, to have had that luxury, but I mm -hmm. didn't really have that, so I just did it all myself. I would love to be able to do everything myself, so. <laughs> but then you end up, I mean, you end up like me, like a cult figure. Like, it's very difficult. <laughs> so, like, you know, like, I'm New York famous. I can't, I do very well, you know, below 14th Street in New York. I'm, my reputation is golden. But I can't get arrested outside of here. I mean, except for maybe. You know, it was another place I worked, but I think I would advise, if someone were listening, I would advise them to try and, and, and branch out quickly. And do lots of different things with different people? No, just people. find collaborators, like get yeah. other people invested. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, like my dream was to be a national act, was to be a singer with a band, touring, yeah. supporting records, you know, it was a very average dream, like this is what I was going to do. A Harry Connick Jr.-esque roots, perhaps. I guess, sure. I mean, you know, I'm not really like him, but it's a, it's a, it's a decent model. 
I certainly wouldn't. I mean, I would have wiped out my whole family for his career. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine they're wiping themselves out. <laughs> Life does uh, uh, and I think a lot of it was like I was, it was a combination of not knowing how to get it done and being afraid of putting myself out there. Mm. Not, you know, so I just sort of like created for myself with my own two hands of like a, a, a simulacrum of that career. Mm -hmm. Like rather than getting an actual label to actually get invested in me and actually yeah. make a record and actually put it out and succeed or fail, I just was like, you know what, I'll just do this myself. I will make my own record, I will put it out there myself, and you know, so I developed a really big career, you know, from Houston to 14th grade. Is that, do you think it's a, a sense of, <laughs> is it wanting to, like, also the, like, ownership of, of your own yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I think that's part of it, sure. I mean, that always freaks me out. Anything to do with labels, managers, contracts, and stuff. I, yes. Suddenly, I, I and, and then maybe it's a school budget, but suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm signing my life away, I'm gonna, I won't have the chance, like, Someone's going to stop me from doing something I want to do because I'm contractually Absolutely. something else. Absolutely, I remember like actually thing. in L.A. when I lived out there for about a year. You know, Paul and I did work at the Mark Taper Forum, and I got I got interest from some lawyer, an entertainment lawyer, and he sent me a contract, you know, to be my lawyer, and it was extremely onerous. And I remember thinking, like, and my mother was a lawyer, and I had her look at it, and we both agreed, like. It just set off all these alarm bells. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give you all these things. Right. And I didn't. And I said no, ultimately. And I've said no to a lot of these opportunities yeah. because they seem to me like you're trying to take my stuff. And now I wonder, like, maybe I should have taken that deal. Maybe he should have had some stuff and I'd be rich or richer. Well, it is good to have advocates, you know, like a, an agent, a lawyer, a manager, whatever out there working for you as well they share your vision yeah um you know but that you know it can work out not work out i've been represented by all kinds of agents right i mean that's and the thing there's no knowing but you know johnny mitchell my my hero my, yeah. my idol is a is a scorpio and oh, yes. talks a lot about an artist's job is to not cooperate yeah <laughs> and, and, and the contract are always benefiting them yeah. and not us. Unless, you know, they do make us a big star, then all right, fuck it, we can down to 20% or whatever. Right. But yeah, it always right. just sounds like whenever I, I just, yeah, I've always had a great fear and aversion to to reading to the, everything on a, on, a, on a legal document. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> so I own all my stuff. Yeah. But nobody's buying it because they don't know it exists. So <clears throat> there's a weird... Yes. But there are there are amazing people who are also part of that world, like below Houston or you know whatever, <laughs> like like above. Yeah, I, I haven't right. been a New York, I am a New Yorker, but I below Fourteenth. I haven't lived here in uh, you know a, a minute. Um, but like you know Justin Vivian Vaughn and Kenny Melman, who you produced their one of their albums or maybe more than one. Both of them. They both had two of them. Yeah. One was live in front of now, what was that like? What was that collaboration like? I mean, we just spent a lovely just the afternoon. Story. She just cracked us up. Like, what, what did she, she said, um, they're like, well, um, we want to do another show for you. And, and um, she was like, no, I don't want to. And they were like, well, where would you want to do a show? She was like, can't it be hall? She was like, I thought that would shut them up and I wouldn't have to do the show. And then they did. That was like, brilliant. Yeah, it was a, it's a great philosophy that it was, it, it's a lot to, to learn. It's just like, you know, it's like, 
set bars and say like you know well I'll do this if you if you um, if I get a house you know I'll I'll come up I'll come up and run the Spiegel tent or whatever you know give me a house. Yeah. Um, so how was Carnegie Hall? Uh, for me, it was just very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I had seen their shows a thousand times, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. And I had already produced their their studio record, the Christmas album, so I knew I knew their work. I just remember sitting there thinking, "How is this going to go? Will they, you know, will we be able to fit all the music in? You know, uh, will they go over time?" Which in Carnegie Hall is incredibly Oh, unions, and just like, uh, yeah. Carnegie Hall is the most, and just to walk out of the room with tape there is $20,000. It's just a fee. Like, if you want to put the name Carnegie Hall on your record, you got to pay $20,000. And how? That was back then, so now it's probably fifty. I don't know, but like, that's how Carnegie Hall manages yeah. their brand, you know, like, because then anybody would just walk in there and be like, yeah, well, I'll rent the, I'll rent the hall. And exactly. The Carnegie Hall concert, I mean, it was just a lot of editing, it was a lot of mixing, I don't know, it was a record. Uh, I mean, the good news is I didn't have to do two takes of each song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do remember saying to the engineer, who was the Carnegie Hall, and I couldn't bring my own, I had to use theirs, I said, I want as many mics in the audience as we can get, because for me, the thrill of a live album yes. is always hearing the audience, and feeling like, damn, I wish I could there. So, if you listen to that record, feeling like you are there, the audience yeah. sound is incredible. I think wow. there's five mics in the audience, all the way up to the back, down to the front. I mean, the, the two it's of them only required yeah. few mics, and two vocals and the piano, so it's like four or five mics. The other ten are on the audience. It's beautifully captured. I mean, you really capture like the experience of being there, which yeah, is not easy you. to do. I agree. I mean, I have to say, like in that case, I think I agree. Great. It was easy in that respect because they're great. You just put them on the stage in front of three thousand rabid fans. <laughs> Your job is just to make sure you've got enough microphones. Yeah. We had to throw some stuff out there because the concert was longer than what's on the CD because it was so long they couldn't all get on the CD. I mean, they have limits to what you can put on. Okay. Oh, so they must have gone over. Oh no! <laughs> I think they actually came in like thirty seconds under time. Amazing. And I remember Jared Geller, one of the producers who just won a Tony, um, like pooping his pants because <laughs> it's, like, stop, it's literally stop, like a thousand dollars a minute, right? If you go because it's a, a union, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. So anyway, it's a lot. That was good. I mean, the, the Christmas record was a lot more work. That was real. Because you, know, you were in the studio. Yeah, but I mean, I that was my idea. Mm. I went to them and said, you guys should make a Christmas record because I knew how much their Christmas shows meant to people. I was like, it will be evergreen, it'll sell every year, and I will make it for you. And they said, okay. And that's how that started. So it was, a, it was like, the, I just actually finished producing another Christmas record last week for Anna Gasteyer, whose mm. earlier album I also produced. And we've been working on that record for a year. And I'm not talking about the studio. I mean, the meetings, the yeah. discussions, the like, how do we make a Christmas record? It requires thinking, like, way ahead of time. Yeah. Now, Geek and Herb, it's a little bit easier because their take on Christmas was so clear. It's such, like, an anti-take. And it had yeah. been honed, you know, yeah. in, in their shows. Right. And you were like, right. 
you're doing this already, right. so let's put it on a record. And the interesting thing about that record was was the opposite problem with Carnegie Hall because their their appeal is so much what they pull off live. I mean, what they were able to do in front of an audience was basically impossible, and no one else has ever really done it the way they do it. Yeah, it's a kind of miracle. And then to put them in a studio without their audience. Yeah, it's tough. There's 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 a lot of um, musicians and singers that I've spoken to that are like they love being on stage, don't like being in the studio. Other ones that love being in the studio right. but can't do it live. Like it is, it's it's a complete um, different thing. But I'm excited about this Christmas record From because Anna. yeah, because oh, I feel great. like there's not like my my still my favorite Christmas album is Phil Spector's Christmas Special. And uh, and I feel like that's very good taste. Yes, it's like just the most amazing record. So I that's what I listen I to. I think every you Christmas. like Anna's. It's very. I like Ella really Fitzgerald's. Yeah. Well, I, don't know if this I mean, we literally need, like we need Christmas ones. personified. Yeah. yeah. When she come, you hear her singing some random Gershwin tune in June, and you think it's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw her at Radio City Music Hall, sitting on a stool. Me too. And I was blown away. My my parents took me because they had seen her in um, Munich or you know like in the sixties and things, yeah. and they 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 were huge fans. Um, well, I sit on the radio at WMIC every day and go like, "Oh, the Cheryl's greatest singer of all time." Yeah. You don't agree, that's fine, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she, she really was. Agree I mean, to be wrong, okay. And, and live, at the end of her life, unable to really stand, she was she still blew it's the roof it. off yeah. Radio City's music. Well, I'm not sure I agree. I remember well back in the, in the early special. 90s. No, it was very special. Yeah. But back in the early 90s, I, I think in, in, a, in a period of like a month or two, I saw Ella, Frank Sinatra, Sarah Vaughn's last performance oh my in New York, uh, Tony Bennett, yeah, well he, and several Mel Torme concerts. I mean, I saw him so often, he would get a pen out of his pocket when he saw me, because he knew I wanted another autograph. <laughs> <laughs> all these people, were, you know, all these giants were still alive and still still singing. Yeah. Ella's, I remember, really bothered me, because she had had her, at least one of her strokes at that yeah. point. And so the that fluttery spinning vibrato yeah. that was so it was gone. Miraculous was gone. Yeah. And I mean she still had the best rhythm in business. I mean she knew That's what the thing. was, but it was I remember walking away feeling gutted in a way. Like oh. thrilled to see her but also Yeah, like, but you're like, no, don't don't go. Whereas yeah. Sarah Vaughn nobody still knew it. she was gonna die. Oh. It was her last performance in New York that blew out and it was like bonkers. And I wasn't even converted to her yet. I was still considering whether or not to love her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. She but always struck sassy me. Sassy Vaughn, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm on the fence. You know, my dad is a concert pianist, and there's a certain yeah. virtue in our family placed on discipline and yes. musicianship. musicianship. And also, with my dad in particular, like getting out of the way of the composer. Like, mm. dad's never, I mean, he's a major guy in the world classical music, but yes, he did he so without showiness. It was yes. never about him. He's not like, he's not class, one of those yeah. It's Leon Fleischer, who's the winner of the uh, Kennedy Center honor. Um, I don't think you win that, but you get one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he was, he received, he yes. received one yes. of those things at the White House and yeah. at the Kennedy Center. But his whole take was always like, get out of the way, like vanish if you can. 
So, and that's how he built his reputation. So for me, Ella Fitzgerald personified that. Like, she's obviously Ella Fitzgerald, but like, I don't, like, I don't think we would know what the American Songbook really sounds like without her. No, I agree. Because she gets out of the way and she gives you the song sort of in its ideal platonic form. So Sarah Vaughan comes along and it's like a, a, like some kind of weird devil figure. Like, I'm a fuck with all this. <laughs> and, and so yeah. for me, growing up, I was like, no, 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 that we have to keep. That. Don't do that, yes. Yeah. And then slowly but surely I grew up and was like, oh, I see. But I've often said... What about Billie Holiday? You know, it's funny, I... She's it for me. I can't really... I try. I mean, I. she's obviously great. I'm not saying she's not great. It doesn't speak to me. I think... Her pain speaks to me. It yeah, does. See, in a, weird, in a weird way, like, I don't... I prefer a singer who... who opens the door for me to my own pain as opposed to show me theirs. Oh, that's so, oh, that's she so does, she, yeah. she does that for me, and that's just my yeah, own experience means, with her. I, I love... I, it I, brings I, out... Oh, I love I that. I love Billie Holiday. She's, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not here to tell you she's not one of the great singers who ever lived, and in many ways she revolutionized pop singing. I'm looking at the biography of her that's sitting over there, and I... My dad buried her. He was a grave digger that summer in uh, Westchester and dug her grave. That some lawyer that. paid for him. You keep saying things in this interview, sorry. Like, I, I don't to apologize to you. <laughs> was that wrong of me to say? No, 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 no just it's just going to be the, they'd be like the chills. But no, you keep saying things that I'm like, oh my God, that's me. But I just, you know, you're making things click in my head. Well, like, oh, that's what I'm much. like with music. Just you know, let the yeah. audience know that you're talking to me. <laughs> God, the hostility. I, just, wow, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> it's very early. But that is how music is, is to me. Like I, I'm listening to words and I'm. It's, when yes, I listen it's to Billie Holiday, here's what I enjoy. Okay. I enjoy listening to her interface with her band. Like I feel like she yes, and the guys dance, are yeah. very much yeah. plugged into each other. They're, the they're creating jazz and math magic together. Yeah, and there's, there's she's a, another instrument. Yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. And the, the recordings of her that I love and that I play are the ones where I can really tune into that dynamic and mm. it's thrilling. It's thrilling, even if it's just a trio. I feel that way about Dinah Washington. Like she and her bands often really just get into each other in a way that's really fun. Whereas Ella sometimes feels a little like I'm just out here in front of a giant orchestra. Yeah. That having been said, her small group sessions are also fucking insane. Do you know Kamasi Washington? He's a jazz uh, saxophonist. Um, he's, he had a big hit with a thing called the Epic. Um, and his singer, Patrice Quinn, um, is, is a friend and neighbor, but she has this quality of, of she's part of that band, you know? And like, and when, like, she doesn't sing, sing every song. A lot of this stuff is instrumental, but when she does sing, it's just a full collaboration as she's just one of the guys, you know, in that in Well, that rhythm is king thing. in that world. And yeah. So if a singer has really good sense of time, yeah. and then, then her band will respond. I remember Amy Winehouse in like one of her last performances where she's, you know, she's not there with mm -hmm. on God knows what or whatever. She like punches a, a fan in the face oh, and yeah. stuff. But she's, she's slurring her words, you can't understand. But she's still rhythmically yeah. perfect, like on every. Yeah, and yeah, yeah on, on, there was 
every like every moment, everything that she did, even when it was different, it was on. Yeah. It was just like right, and that's a building holiday thing. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm producing a record for someone, I'll say, like, listen to Billie Holiday. Like, a lot of female artists in particular are very concerned with the sound of their voice, the quality of their singing, their ability to sustain, their ability to sing high. You know, all these technical things. Right. I'm like, listen to Billie Holiday, man. She doesn't do any of that. Or yeah. Janice Joplin. Right. She just probes <laughs> her way through it, but her time is yeah. insane. Yeah. So that you don't care about all of those other things that ultimately aren't that important. Another lesson my father teaches, and I really buy into it, is he says, you know, there's there's three elements to music. There's melody, harmony, and rhythm. Mm -hmm. The only one that matters is rhythm. And he, wow. he puts his money where his mouth is, because when he plays, and he's almost 91, there's mistakes all over the place. He hits wrong notes left and right. But rhythmically, what's going on is like jaw-dropping. And he's wow. still playing that yeah. yeah. He just had a big 90th birthday at, at Carnegie. Wow. He's a, he's a bit of a legend in his world. And he's very, you know, slowing down. He's playing very particular pieces that are technically within his range right now. But his ability to play just a few notes more beautifully than most people play a lot is very stunning. And you collaborated with him lately, right? Haven't we yeah, a we had a little window there, yeah, where he he started sort of on the sly, like getting into a couple of American standards. He's a very strictly classical guy. Yeah, yeah. But he was taken by the left-handed arrangement of all the things you are by Jerome Kern, which for many people is like the the greatest American melody. Mm. Indeed. And then the man I love, he had arranged. No, he didn't have it arranged. But the left-handed version of it for Bernstein's 70th birthday, and it became a showpiece for him. Mm. So then I had him, I had an arrangement of a song I wrote done for him, so we sang it together at Lincoln Center, and then we started doing some of the work together, and you know, we'll see where it goes. What was that like? Really lovely. Really just lovely. I mean, stressful. I don't know if I chose the right song for him to play of mine. Mm. Because my, it's a hard song to sing. Most of my songs are easy. <laughs> <laughs> I chose one of the hard ones. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about how I get up to that point that mm. I wrote mm -hmm. all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? Why am I, I doing mean, that? I mean, my father's very easy to get along with. So it was fun. It wasn't a lot of trouble. I think that's very special that you were able to have that, you know, um, experience you Absolutely. Know, that he was that he was open to it the timing you know and he's not snobby at all like he, he acknowledges that there's all kinds of beautiful stuff in the world and it isn't what he does so if it's jazz singing he's, he's really into that like he, he couldn't walk a baseline if you paid him money <laughs> he can play shit you can't believe it he has no skills it's unbelievable actually yeah you can put two people who both play this thing with 88 keys on it one of them has to have everything written out no, 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 no. And another one, you can literally not even give him music and just say, make him whoopee, and he's flat, and boom, 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 you get like a, like, like, play shot, Dr. John's making whoopee, and you look at Improv, something. yeah. Well, it's not necessarily improv, it's like they know the song. Yeah. Like, I, like, sometimes I joke when Dad and I play together in front of the audience, I'll say, Dad, it's, it's jazz, you're not supposed to know how it ends. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because in his world, like you really do have to know yeah. some music deeply. Whereas in my world, there's a it's a whole other thing. And 
And I know jazz guys who you don't even have to give them music, they'll kill the song, mm. but they couldn't begin to play with Dad. Right? And then there's Dad who has all this stuff in front of him, and it's, it's astonishing, but he couldn't play chopsticks if the music's not in front of him. I, yeah, I, like I, I think of it with like ballerinas, amazing ballerinas. I've seen them out at a club and they can't dance. Yeah, 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 it's very interesting. And then there are those special people who can do it all. Yeah. Who have been open this or they were different yeah. My favorite pianist at dance college, um, I used to go in and he um, like he played for silent movies and stuff, so he was good oh, at yeah, just yeah, anything yeah, just, that coming yeah. out of his head. And I'd be like, oh my God, have you heard the brand new Kylie Minogue song? And he was like, no, I play it to me. I play it to him. And then, you know, we'd be doing plies and he'd start playing. Oh, that's nice. And it was just so fun, like, that yeah. throughout the class, I'd, like, I'd be like, shenning or whatever. And I'd just hear, like, Britney Spears toxic, and he'd all wink at me. Like, oh, that's It's always guess, what tunes are you going to put on? Yeah. When my dad first played with me and for me at Joe's Pub a few years ago, you know, there's a, there was a microphone at the piano, because he, he, you know, my pianist, Ted Firth, who's a genius, would step away and give Dad the piano. There was a microphone, which he doesn't normally have, of course, and he was very fucking funny. And I could see, like, right away, like, he was a cocktail pianist. Like, <laughs> like Monkey, he could not, he, it was actually, it was a little, I was like, Dad, back off, man, this is my territory. <laughs> I, I was there. First of all, getting that. him to play like like a busted Yamaha in a nightclub <laughs> was very funny because like you know at that level you've got to play the finest instruments in order to do the kind of work that yeah. And he was like, "All right," and he like, <laughs> like saddled up to this old piano and you know it was poorly tuned. The whole thing was really hilarious, but he was game for it, and I really I love that. I love that. that. And he made some very funny because at one point the six train goes under the, the theater and like. He was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I was like, don't worry, Dad, it's just the six train. He goes, oh, it really rocks your colon. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the audience did not get legend. enough of that. Yeah. I should also talk about my mother. Uh, you just, you just did. <laughs> what else do you want to know? Um, I Tell us about your mother. <laughs> she was a piece of work. We've, um, uh, mine too. Well, we have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> I miss her very much. I, I do too. I miss my mom as well. It was just recently Father's Day. Spent it with my father, which was really lovely. I get crushed Father's Father's Day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I call my dad on Father's Day and said, alright, let's make this quick. <laughs> my, that's, exactly, that's my dad and I. Like, we, like, we'll FaceTime all the time. But, and we're like, you know, laughing, joking, alright. Oh, oh, same sort of humor. And then my dad would be like, alright George, it's five minutes, I, I don't know what else to say. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, minutes today, George. Well, it's cool, Yeah. So thank you so much for having us in your home. Do you have any putting up final with my lateness. Um, I have a lot of final thoughts. Do you? It just depends on uh, what department we're in. That's well, all I have is final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything coming up soon that you want to plug, we can do that. We can plug when in the link. When is going to be on the air? Two weeks. Uh, let's see. Well, I have a bunch of fun gigs this summer. Um, Leah Delaria has opened a brand new jazz club in Provincetown. 
Oh, fun. They got it in an old bar, and they turned it into like a really nice scene. Actually, Justin Vivian Bond's playing there, too. Oh, amazing. So I'll be there with a band. I know Leah, line. too. Uh, when is that? The 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th of July. Okay. So please come to the club in Provincetown. And what I should have a website and buy tickets. Oh, maybe you have to be in Provincetown. Well, no, I, mean, I think they're having trouble getting it started. It's um, all brand new. Well, she'll, so, they're going to figure it out. Well, now here's what I've done. I'm she's very capable. That everyone knows about. I, you know, I've, I have a fabulous band, and I've spent a, you do. a decade putting them together because the world of jazz is a super fucked up world. Nick Mancini was one of them. Right, but then he moved to LA. And he does the vibe. The vibe. Yes. And so he, he knows Kamasi Washington. I've seen him at Patrice's house. Sorry. <laughs> you spend a lot of time on this podcast telling people who you know. I was just connecting with you over <laughs> Nick Mancini, who is so talented. He's one of Nick those is people. A he's a, he's a one wizard. Of the, he's one of those people that. Let's not talk about that someone you, that's no longer in his band. Let's talk about That's true. <laughs> what, was what was it? You were, you were telling us about your band. Oh, oh right, right, band. right. I was yes. trying to tell you a little story. Now you really a, are mad. Apologies. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, so I'm trying to fuck with you. Um, no, I have this wonderful band. It took me forever to put them together because finding guys and women who are extremely gifted and also extremely kind is actually very difficult in the very world of jazz, yes. which is a very hardcore world. It's very macho. It's very homophobic. Yeah. So, but when, when Leah Delaria, of all people, asked me to play a gig in Provincetown, of all places, I thought, God, I wish I had a gay band. And of course I don't because everyone in my band is straight. And if they're not, they're in the closet because it's, the jazz world is one of the last really I didn't know that. super macho worlds. Yeah. So I have a band in my band. I did a search. I went online. I called friends. and I, It took me a month to find three out gay jazz players who were really good. Wow. They've never played together before. They've never met each other before. But they're coming with me. We're gonna play it together, and I'm calling it Julian Fleischer and his intense gaze. <laughs> oh my god! I oh love my god! It. I want to go to Provincetown for this. July. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then I'm playing. Uh, I'm curating a festival. The the dance company Palabolus. Oh, amazing! Has a big outdoor festival for three weekends in rural Connecticut called the Five Senses Festival. When? I in late July, end of July, and I'm curating a one or possibly two day mini festival inside of their festival called the Festival of Song. And so it's a series of performances and talks and panels and, and, and audience participation things where we're going to get into why all songs are like holy, divine, sacred units of communion with people. Wow. I love that. So and we, if anybody else, I mean, obviously everything's on my website. It's a lot to look forward to. Yes, you have a very well done website. Um, kudos. <laughs> Thank I you. <laughs> um, and you did it all yourself. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Georgie also has a beautiful website. <laughs> I she did herself. herself. You, well, you did a lot of yourself. Not really. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, putting together the website actually turned into this weird, like, self-examination. Like, because who as am I? Yeah, like, how yeah. do I present myself? It's very weird because I have a lot of different things I do. And I thought it actually turned into a kind of like life coach thing. Like, I can put this there, I can put this first. Yeah. How do I talk about myself? Because as we've already said, like, I'm one of those people who's like. It's really. T I made someone busy. else write my bio. I was like, write what you think about me. And she did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually another really good exercise. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was 
I recommend people make their own so website because it's very, it's like taking an x-ray of yourself. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, uh, maybe I'll try that. Um, Why about me? Julian, thank you. We have to get somewhere else <laughs> or we're going to be scandalously late for them too. All right. Well, I know they give you as hard a time as I did. Ah. Peace is out, bitch. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you. So many tries So many seasons of no's and goodbyes So naturally I'm wondering just how it's done How'd you finally manage to run from the one? How hard I paddled, how hard I tried Just to get pulled back to you in a riptide All the swimming lessons at the YMCA Learning how to get to shore but not how to just get away Leaving the leaving Leaving the leaving to you Oh you Cause you'll do whatever you gotta do What's so amazing, what's very you is the dependable way that you come through While others talk and talk about how they're moving on You're pulling up your anchor and you're sailing off into the dawn Leaving the leaving Leaving the leaving to you Oh you Cause you'll do Whatever you gotta do Leaving the leaving Leaving the leaving to you Oh you Cause you'll do Whatever you gotta do Don't get me wrong Though I sound bad I wrote this song Cause I'm glad Cause I'm Are you unhappy? I'm not upset See you sailing off into the sunset You always said that leaving would be easy to do Well, it was even easier leaving the leaving to you Leaving the leaving Leaving the leaving to you Oh, you Cause you'll do whatever you gotta do Leaving the leaving Leaving the leaving to you Oh, you Cause you'll do whatever you gotta do Leaving the leaving Leaving the leaving to you Oh, you Cause you'll do whatever you gotta do Please.